Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode's brought to you by Heidi. Imagine kicking back while a HIPAA-compliant AI scribe juggles your notes, ICD-10 codes, letters, billing, and all that jazz for free. Yeah, you heard us right. On the house, it's free. From the genius brain of Dr. Tom, who hated wasting his life writing notes, he started Heidi to change the game. Your Heidi transforms consult babble into crisp, clear soap notes, personalizing itself with every edit you make. It's the next best thing to cloning yourself without the weird science behind it. One day, your Heidi will look through research, take calls, and do anything you don't want to. So what's the catch? There's no catch. If you currently pay for an AI scribe in your practice, you should swap to Heidi. They'll even credit you for anything you've already paid. Heidi will save you an hour or more a day without dipping into your wallet. Dive into the description for the link and make your practice the envy of every stethoscope in town. Sign up, lean back, and watch Heidi work its magic. All for free because you've got better things to do. We work hard as physicians to take care of the health and well-being of our patients. But when it comes to our money, do we have the same condition of care? Probably Probably not. Let's change that together. Welcome to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast, where we'll fight and advocate for your financial literacy. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. Thanks for being here. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm very excited to introduce Bonnie Davis. And she is an executive coach, keynote speaker, facilitates workshop consultants, and she's going to talk to us all about her journey in corporate and now the skills that she's developed to make work more human and strengthen relationships, leading high-performance teams. It's going to be a fantastic conversation for the female executive entrepreneurs in the audience, and I'm happy to welcome Bonnie to the show. Welcome. Hi there. Thank you. I am so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show, and I love um, when I can find guests that resonate with a particular subset of the audience. And so kind of set the stage, talk about your journey and background, and we'll dive right into the conversation. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'll start with geography. So I am from New York, but I've been living in Denver, Colorado for over 20 years now. 
And I have spent my life working mostly in large companies and large global successful companies. And I loved it and I had great experiences and met awesome people, but those experiences didn't always feel authentic, real for me. I walked away feeling a little bit like a robot, like I had to be a certain persona. And so about 12 years ago, when I had the opportunity to leave my last job, I decided that my passion was really around creating human-centered workplaces. So some of this I had, and I had some great bosses and some great cultures, but some of it not so much. So I realized that I wanted to help other organizations, teams, and leaders be as human-centered as possible. And so that's the work that I have been doing with my business partners in this company for about 12 years now. Yeah, that's a very fantastic story and a fantastic journey. And I'm sure, you know, everybody has had their experience in the corporate world, living experience exactly what you described, you know, kind of this fake or, you know, political kind of, you know, we had to maneuver and all of this. One thing is talking about is you talked about human centered and kind of talk about key elements that define what a human centered organization and sharing some practical steps leaders can take to cultivate that environment in their companies? Well, the first thing people may be wondering right now is, am I leading a human-centered team? Do I have a human-centered culture? Am I a human-centered leader? And if you'd like a little bit more clarity on that, if it's okay with you, I will point the audience, and it'll be in the show notes as well, but point the audience to my website where there is an assessment. Essentially, it's called the Human Factor Assessment, and it answers the question, am I leading a human-centered team or how human is my workplace? And so hueworkteam.com, that's my company name, hueworkteam, all one word, .com. Right there on the landing page, you will see the assessment. It is free of charge. And so go grab that. And it's intended as a conversation starter. So it is intended to think about things like your company's purpose and culture, your sense of building community, both inside the company and with your external community, how are people rewarded? How do we communicate with each other? So seven different fo focus areas that will help you assess, am I a human-centered organization? And I think the short way getting away from the assessment to answer your question is that it is defined by a place where people can truly feel like they can bring their human selves to work. And so they are seen, they are listened to, they are respected. Sure, there can be debates and dis um, disagreements, but things are handled in a respectful way. And there is transparency. We understand why decisions are made. We may not always agree with those decisions, but we understand why they are made. And there's a sense of people being treated in a fair and equitable way. So human to human, whether you see your, your chief executives talking to each other, talking to entry-level employees, talking to interns, there's a sense of professionalism and respect in the way people are listened to, that all opinions are important. And people really feel like it is a thriving environment where they can learn and grow and be their best, feel fulfilled personally, and also have a sense of well-being. So don't you want to work in that kind of place? <laughs> I know I yeah. I always wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you asked that question because I've always wanted to work in that place, but I've never been able to find an organization that's described that you are describing. So I decided to create my own organization to kind of cultivate that. Still have a long way to go, but at least I have some say. So you talked about the importance of well-being, personal well-being habits for 
and kind of share strategies, routines that have helped your clients stay energized, focused, balancing health with professional demands? For me, in my opinion, as an executive coach and as somebody who's done a lot of work with helping change happen for organizations, for individuals, the first thing you need to do to make something happen is to be really clear about the it. What is it that, so what does well-being look like for you? What does it mean for you to have a life that is balanced and where you are healthy? And for me, ultimately, well-being is about refueling and re-energizing. That imagine you think about the, the your body and even your life is like a gas tank. And so we spend all of our day, I mean, we are, we start, the, the gas tank starts going down, whether we're making lunches for our kids, commuting to work, meeting with people, even on our best days, we are, that fuel tank is going down. And so whether it's in the middle of the day, having a good, healthy lunch, going for a walk, drinking water, exercising, taking time off. Well-being habits are all about the things that will refuel that gas tank and ask yourself, how's my tank looking? <laughs> Am I just going, going, going? And if you have a really bad week or two that you're not refueling, that may be okay. But you keep going beyond that and you're probably on your road to burnout and certainly some health issues. So for me, step one is clarity on what is it that I need in my routine? Because it really is about habits and routine. I can't have a really great week of working out and then not do it for the next month. That is not a consistent way of having well-being. So what does success look like for me on a daily, weekly, monthly, and even yearly basis? And yearly may include like I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to set a goal to run a half marathon. I'm going to spend time with the friends and family that I don't spend time with. So what's the goal? And then old-fashioned, use your calendar, schedule it in there. Because in my experience, unless you have the time set, this time doesn't just pop up in your life. So what do you want to do? When are you going to do it? And then what are the ways that you're going to hold yourself accountable for doing that? And that might mean things like checking in with a buddy. So maybe you have a friend and you say, hey, let's either go to the gym together or let's check in every week and see how that's going. Or maybe it's just more that you're really good at the personal accountability. And then I would say reward yourself for a job well done. And happy to talk about rewards, but there are ways I think that we need to really help encourage our own best behaviors when it comes to well-being, because often in a daily routine, we just get busy and that stuff doesn't come up. One thing that I've really focused on is checking in with my body, especially, you know, in the morning, it's great, you're energized, but afterwards it's, you know, kind of, you have to, you know, check in. Moving on is in the contents of building and leading high-performing teams, how do you approach the challenge of maintaining team cohesion, motivation in a digital and remote work environment? That's a great question, especially the digital and remote work environment piece. I will share a brief story. I went hiking over the summer with my husband's colleague and her partner, and so I had met them once or twice, but didn't know them very well. And they knew that I did this kind of work. And so he said to me, oh, I want to pick your brain. I have a remote team or maybe they were hybrid and we're just not working that well together. And what's your best advice on what we can do better? And my question to him, the coach and me came out on this hike in New Mexico. And I said, well, what does a high performing team look like for you? Because that is going to be different based on who you are as a leader, what's important to you, what your business needs, who's on your team. 
So my first piece of advice is to define what does a high-performing team mean to you? Think about the way people communicate with each other, clarity of purpose, are goals and processes clear to everybody? Are there a sense of shared values of how do you define excellence? Is there things like fun that's important to you? Because some leaders want that. Some leaders say, this is work. We shouldn't be having fun. But step one is to identify all of that stuff. Similar to my advice on well-being, if you haven't identified it, then you won't get there. Well, cohesive team, high-performing team, identify it and then assess what's going well to keep doing because you, even when you're fixing things, you want to lean into the good stuff first and then what's hard that we need to improve. And specific to your question about digital and remote teams, if the what's hard is we just don't communicate enough, well, then put into place new methods. I think um, the most important thing to me is open communication, that if if teams are not being their best, if teams can be more effective, that we can have an open dialogue to say this is the hard stuff and then find a way to get through it. And if you cannot comfortably have that conversation, then I recommend if you have either a human resources leader that can help to facilitate that conversation, or maybe you're bringing an outside coach or consultant, don't ignore the hard stuff if your team is not actually a fully high-performing, highly effective team. Yeah, that's so well said. And again, apologies for the construction. Next thing is we talked about leadership. It encompasses a wide range of skills from strategic vision to tactical execution. What are the most critical skills leaders need to develop to enhance team performance and drive organizational success? Well, I might sound like a broken record, and some of you may not may be too young to even know what that expression means, sound like a broken record, but I may be repeating myself in that um, I would start with by going back to the human factor assessment and understanding not only what does it take to be a great leader in generic terms, but to really be a human-centered leader because there's great ideas in there in terms of how you communicate with people, how you create a sense of community, how you reward and recognize people, and how you have a sense of purpose beyond making money. I will also say, think about in your organization, who are the most successful leaders and what are the skills that took them to get where they are? Because I can, I mean, any of us can Google or chat GPT right now. What does it take to be a great leader? But that's going to differ based on different organizations. So look around, see the most successful people, particularly the ones that you admire, and ask yourself, what are their strengths? And I'll, I'll throw some out to think about. Um, you can think about their communication skills, decision-making, problem-solving, general executive presence. Are they somebody who you respect and who has that command when they are in front of other people, but also somebody who is clear visionary, has a clear direction forward, and also can hold people accountable for executing on that direction. And as we kind of come to the end of the interview and the conversation, You've talked about identifying and growing one's strengths for a more impactful career. And can you explain how individuals can effectively recognize their unique strengths and leverage them for professional growth and fulfillment? Yes, I wear a number of hats. I think these days, many of us, I know you do, and I think many of us wear multiple hats these days. 
And one of my hats is that I am on the coaching and facilitation faculty for the Marcus Buckingham Company. So you may be familiar with Marcus Buckingham's work. He was the originator of the strengths movement. Most of us were raised. If you, for example, if you were, if you brought home your report card and you had four grades that were an A and one grade that was a C, what would your parents ask you about on that report card? Where would they put their attention? I'm guessing they would probably say, what happened with the C? And so most of us were raised in our schools and our cultures and our families to look at the our weaknesses, to look at the areas where we're not as good. And we need to improve weaknesses, but the work that I've done with the Marcus Buckingham Company and that many of you have probably read is that if you understand your strengths as a starting point, that will give you the foundation for doing other things better. How do you know your strengths? The first thing I would do say is ask, check in with yourself, do an honest self-reflection. What do I know I'm really good at? It's okay to be clear. You know, we're raised to be humble, but it's okay to be clear about what you're great about. Ask yourself, what do people come to me for? Is there advice or things that people in your personal or professional life? Also, gauge your energy. Think about the things that you do that bring you the most energy. And they could be, if you think about writing a to-do list, the things that you keep writing over and over again that you procrastinate are probably not your strengths. So the things that you get excited to go do, even if they're not your highest priority things on your to-do list, those things you wanna do first are probably in your strength zone. Last thing I would mention, and like we can share these links, is that there are free strengths assessments out there that can help you get clarity on what your strengths are. And then ask yourself, am I spending, call it 50% of my time, at least in my strength zone? And this gets a little bit back to your question on well-being. If you are really feeling run down and exhausted most of the time, you may likely not be working in your strength zone. And so it's just more fun and energetic to be doing the things that we know we're good at. Again, you don't have to do those all day long, but you know, at least 50% of your time, be clear about what you are. And I say that you want to know and grow your strengths so that you can get even better at the things that you're good at. And Leslie, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I know you're you have a very tight, busy schedule. And so how can people contact you and find out more about you and the work that you do? Well, I hang out in LinkedIn a lot, maybe too much. So I am always happy for somebody to reach out and find me on LinkedIn at Bonnie Davis, or if you check for Bonnie Davis Hewart, if you do with the URL, it's Bonnie Davis 01 is the full URL. So always happy to find people on Hework. And if you go to our website, hewworkteam.com, there's a contact us. So feel free to message me on LinkedIn or reach out directly on the contact us form. And that's also where you would find the human factor assessment that I mentioned. So I'd say those would be the two best ways because um, I'm pretty much at least popping into LinkedIn a little bit once or twice a day. Yeah, I love LinkedIn. And for all the audience out there listening, Bonnie, for coming on and be sure to give her a like and follow on socials, check out her company website, reach out to her to work with her. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. Hope you have a great day. This was fun. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Heidi. Elevate your practice with a free AI scribe, zero cost, HIPAA compliant, and ever learning. Heidi turns tedious tasks into time safe. Ready to swap? We've got you covered for past AI scribe expenses. Head to HeidiHealth.com, 
get started and make your practice the envy of every stethoscope in town. I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrisluemdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.